You're listening to Banter with the Boys. Talking all things sports. From betting and brawls, Super Bowl to Stanley Cup Finals. Get laced up. It's time for Banter with the Boys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Banner with the Boys. As always, I have Mr. Smelty with me here today. How you doing? How you feeling? Feeling pretty nice. Uh, just another Tuesday of a generic week for me, but uh, yeah, just ready to talk some more NFL like always. Absolutely, brother. Couldn't be here today without Mr. Kevin behind the X's and the O's. We always do appreciate you, brother. And before we get into the meat and potatoes here, as always, people... Like, comment, subscribe. We want all the followers, all the listens we can get. But we did have week 11 come and go, Mr. Smeltzy. Pretty good week of football. Not a lot of huge surprises. Not a, well, a couple of big disappointments in terms of some injuries that we will touch on. Um, but let's get it started. We're going to start the slate here with my Packers hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. The Packers were actually a three-point underdog in this game. And my Packers came out and won. 23 to 20 it was a pretty good game throughout you know not too terribly overly exciting there wasn't a lot of big wow plays nothing of that sort you know the Packers offense did seem to come alive a little bit um, but the Chargers I would say more lost this game than the Packers necessarily won it you know they should have had a touchdown on the final drive the final essentially you know what ended up being one of the final plays for the Chargers on offense with Quentin uh Quentin Johnson uh, dropping that pass that you know might not necessarily been a touchdown but would have been you know getting them down the field and gave them a better shot than they did end up having uh were you able to catch this game at all i saw a little bit of it of course since it is the packers for whatever reason as much as i do absolutely hate the green and gold i do follow them weirdly enough um and keep up on them i appreciate their history so yeah i did watch a little bit of this game um like, yeah, kind of like you said, nothing really jumped out or was glaring for me personally. One thing that was a little concerning, and we'll touch on it later, though, Aaron Jones leaving the game. When 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 did he leave the game? Do you remember what like what quarter that was? I can't remember exactly, but I want to say it was the third. Because, okay, if it was the third, let's say it was, I don't know. Um, but four carries for Aaron Jones again. That seems kind of low. I mean, it, it, he had to have left a little bit earlier, or maybe he was feeling it a little earlier, so they shut him down a little earlier before he was officially, like, out. But, I mean, that I feel like, I mean, as a team, Green Bay still ran for 102 yards, but I feel like that rushing game is still not there yet, and I think that's only going to help their offense. Yeah, so it was actually the second quarter. The second quarter. Oh, I just looked quarter it up as when okay. he went out. Yeah. And, you know, you're right. We, we had 28 carries. That was, that's nice to see. Love still threw the ball 40 times, which is a little bit more than I would like. However, he did complete 27 of them. You know, not a terrible completion percentage, especially with his recent trends. Right. And what I, what I saw from Love that game is, again, the ability to be able to get outside the pocket and still create plays. You're still seeing flashes of that. We, I mean, I think we still obviously need to see more. He did enough to win this game, but kind of like you said, I think it was more or less the Chargers lost this game. 40 attempts for love, I mean, that's a lot, but 
I don't know. I think they just really got to somehow get that rush, rushing game going a little more. Yeah, I mean, it also didn't help that not only did we lose Aaron Jones, we lost A.J. Dillon, and we did also lose the third string, Emmanuel Wilson, for a little bit there. So, actually, I'm sorry, A.J. Dillon did not go down, but we lost Emmanuel Wilson, who is similar to that Aaron Jones-type back. That gives him a little bit of that scat-back ability where A.J. Dillon's obviously a downhill runner. Um, so, I mean, but you look at Dillon, 14 carries for 29 yards. That's been pretty on par with how the season has gone. And... You know, Love threw for 322 yards. So he, he had a good game, you know, 108.5 quarterback rating. Didn't make any mistakes. He did have two fumbles. Um, but it wasn't, you know, he was he was under pressure quite a bit in the game. And only getting sacked three times, that kind of surprises me a little bit with how ferocious that, that D-line is for the Chargers. Um, however, they did lose Joey Bosa, which we'll touch on mm. later. Yeah, But it, t- to me, I mean, like I said, I mean, Herbert didn't have a game that would necessarily wow you, two tuds and 260, but the Packers cannot stop the run. You look at even Justin Herbert, that he was just getting outside of the pocket, and, you know, he had 73 rushes on, 88, on eight carries. Yeah, they 73 were, rushing yards on eight carries. They so, were not ready for Herbie to to run to run the rock at, at all i mean every time he escaped the pocket they did not collapse down on him at all i mean they just let him what i wonder what his average was because he 9.1 yards per carry was it okay because uh it seemed like he always had green in front of him every time he was looking to run he had the green in front of him they just didn't close down on him fast enough but i actually i actually have a packer question for you i'm, I'm gonna butcher his name guaranteed but who is this Dontavian Wicks? Is that uh, how I say his name, Dontavian? Yeah, good job, is Dontavian Wicks? Yeah, uh, he was. Who is a... that cat, dude? I I haven't heard of him before. I I don't know who is that. What, uh, what, he what was... do we expect from him? I've been pretty impressed with him. So I actually saw a report. Um, it was I believe last week, going into last week, that he was the actual according to pro football focus with whatever minimum snaps there he was actually was creating the most separation out of any receiver in the nfl uh, he's a fifth round pick he's a rookie this year um uh, okay. so rookie yeah, this year rookie okay. this year out of where you know ah uh, college That's fair like if you in don't know. virginia did you say virginia. college college we went to virginia oh oh i thought you said like Where's he from? And yeah, I thought your answer was just college. <laughs> I was like, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> no, but it, but it, to be honest with you, I mean, I was going to touch on that as well. It's I, I've been really impressed with him, to be honest with you. You know, it's it's as a rookie, you're not going to come in and know the offense right away to get those early season targets and looks. But he's kind of come on the last couple of games and had some big plays, you know, and it's he's impressed. He's he's creating the separation that Christian Watson is not. And I just I think we need to get him more involved. You look at our two rookie receivers this year, Dontavian Wicks and then Jaden Reed. Oh, Jayden you know Reed. they've been they've Quick. been pretty damn good for rookie receivers for the Packers. And I think Wicks needs more opportunity. I think he kind of proved that in this game a little bit more. And I mean, at the end of the day, PFF has a stat for everything, but you can't argue creating separation. Well, no doubt. And then when you have three receptions for ninety-one yards. You're creating separation, obviously, to in order to create some more of that yak, if you will, um, the yards after catch. But uh, 
who is the who is that Tucker Craft? Is that another tight end for you guys? Yeah, Tucker okay. Craft is one of the two so, rookies we drafted this year. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, what I like seeing is, you know, I see here Tucker Craft with two targets. I mean, he caught both those balls. Uh, Musgrave with another six targets. I mean, I like that we're starting to see Jordan Love start to find his tight ends a little more. And like I said, I could I could be wrong. You know, maybe that's not the case as the season's gone on. But this game, it really felt like he's really starting to find those tight ends. And I, I mean, I think that's a great thing. I mean, they're your third down first you know chain mover guys you know what i mean them and like slot guys but your tight ends you got you got to be able to get that relationship with them yeah most certainly you know and they weren't involved in the early portion of the year it's our our two best tight ends coming into the year two rookies that we drafted in you know, i believe is the the second round for musgrave and the fifth round for Kraft. and fun fact about taylor Kraft, sorry tucker Kraft. Uh, he was actually David Bakhtiari's partner in the Bustin' with the Boys Beer Olympics this year. So that's oh, where shit. I kind of okay. learned about him. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, not only that, it's, it's Jordan Love seems like he's seen the field more. You look at the, the he completed a ball to 10 different receivers this game, which is quite impressive with somebody that, you know, hasn't really been that productive going through and looking at his reads. He seemed he is, like, looking for that tight end, looking for that dump down, where he's not just forcing the ball into spots he shouldn't be forcing the ball. And I think that's the biggest improvement I've seen in his game the last two weeks. And he's looked pretty damn good the last two weeks. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this game, he kind of looked like the guy on the other side of the ball, Justin Herbert. I mean, Herbert's been kind of, you know, figuring it out as the year's gone, as the, as, geez, a wheeze, as the season has gone on. Herbert has been kind of figuring it out, getting more on a roll. But this game from Herbert, and I mean, the Chargers as a whole, um, the word mediocre comes to mind, and we'll talk about that word a little bit later. But I mean, the Chargers got to be the most mediocre team in the league. I mean, they're they're so they're it's almost they're so comfortable being in every single game. But it's it's literally a coin flip if they're going to pull it off or not. Yeah, to me, the biggest word that comes to mind is disappointment. You look at the expectations they had coming into this year. It's not a personnel lack of at this point. They have foundational pieces at every single step of both the defense and the offense. I just don't think Brandon Staley's a head coach in the NFL. That that part, 100%. Because my expectation of the Chargers is to challenge Casey. I don't think you're going to beat out Casey for the division, but you should be challenging them 100%. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I Some of the, almost, not to use my own word, but some of the bonehead moves by by their coach this season has just been unacceptable. Yeah, most certainly, most certainly. And it's just... I think this is Staley's last go at it just because, I mean, like I said, they have foundational pieces across the board. Rashawn Slater on the offensive line. You got a foundational talent or foundational, like, a general, almost, a, I would, it's on the verge of arguing generational talent that behind center. You have Keenan Allen on the outside. On defense, you got Mack and Bosa, and then you got Derwin James in the secondary. Like, what, what more, like, foundation do you need than that? And they just can't seem to put it together. Yeah, they definitely have the right guys in the right places. I think it, it's got to be a coaching thing at this point with the Chargers. Um, and it just, they seem like they're outcoached in every single game. It's not just one here or there. It's They're outcoached in every single game. And when they do pull off a victory, that's the players giving a shit. <laughs> like, we're not losing another game this week or what have you. So, I don't know. That's all I really have to say about the Chargers at this point. Um, they just, they got to get their shit together. 
Yeah, the last thing I just want to touch on in this game is how impressed I am with uh, Carrington Valentine as a cornerback for the Packers, drafted in the seventh round this year out of Kentucky. He's kind of he's taken that role of Rasul Douglas's spot now that he's in Buffalo, and then Nixon's been our slot corner. He's been very, very impressive to me. He's not going to jump off the stat sheet, but he had three pass deflections this game. And if you look, so he, so he started this week then. He's been he started the last couple of weeks, oh. and he was starting when Jair was hurt. Ah, okay. Um, he was coming yep. in, but I've been pretty impressed with this cat. Okay, yeah. Especially well. when you have Jair on the other side, so they're not going to target Jair that much, so he's getting, you know, sure, targets. Sure, sure, he's getting the ball thrown at him. They're going to test him. Right. They know. So, yeah, I was, I was, I've was, i been pretty impressed with what I've seen on tape for, on the field from him. Um, but enough about the Packers Chargers. Packers got the dub for those keeping track at home. Both Smelty and I picked the Chargers to not only win that game last week, but to cover that three-point spread. And obviously that did not happen, so that's what I get for rooting against my Packers. <laughs> but let's jump on to the next game. Your Vikings had a thriller on Sunday night with the resurging Denver Broncos. You almost had it, Smelty. You almost had it. It shouldn't have been a thriller, though. That's the problem. That's the problem I have with it. The Broncos did not play well enough to win that game. It just fell into their pocket, in my opinion. Now, Dobbs looked a little more pedestrian than the past or not this week, which I kind of expected, right? Again, that first game outdoors with the new team, still learning the plays, guaranteed. Guys have all summer to learn the plays. My boys had days, now weeks, but he's getting there. It's a process, right? Um, but to say I'm not disappointed w- would be a lie. I mean, they the Vikes really needed to pull this game off, especially with Detroit beating the Bears. Um, to say in that division race, if you dare call it, I guess I wouldn't really call it that right now. The Vikes are more eyeing up a wild card, I would say, at this point, as Detroit's running away with it. However, they do got to play Detroit twice. I think those games are going to be hella fun. But looking at this game, again, you see the difference that Dobbs can make with his legs. You see it's only eight carries and 21 yards, but those 21 yards were very needed at crucial times. And that's, again, something that Kirk Cousins will not give the Vikings. So, again, it's just interesting to see that actually in the lineup for the first time since, I guess, Tavares Jackson. But uh, even looking before that, like Dante Culpepper, you know, a true quarterback that can actually make plays with his legs. So, But now let me talk to you about the guys that are actually supposed to and expected to make plays with their legs. Minnesota's running backs. There's still a weird situation here, okay? Um, Alexander Madison has proved to us time and time again this season he's not the guy. Yes, he had 18 carries, 81 yards, led the team in rushing, sweet. But you have Ty Chandler sitting at 10 carries for 73 yards. That average is much different. Now, the one thing on that is Chandler did have that one long of 31, but in that same sentence, he offers that big playability where Madison does not or has proven or shown this year that he does not. So... And again, I'm, I'm kind of ready where I was with Akers, and obviously we know Akers is done for the season, but kind of let Chandler be that more speed back, that lightning back that you like to call, and let Madison be that thunder. You know what I mean? They keep trying to use Madison as, as that number one every down back right now, and Chandler just seems to come in when Madison needs to be spilled. And I just, I think it's, I'm ready to see somebody else back there to start the game. I love Madison. Uh, I think he's a good human being. I think he can still be something in this league, but I think he needs to get back to that one-two uh, a little more consistently first. One-two, speaking like 
you know, using two running backs more consistently like when Dalvin was here. But, you know, as far as receiving goes, you saw Hawkinson again getting involved in the offense like we expected. Uh, Josh Oliver, tight end number two, also with four receptions that game, coming up with actually a couple big plays. Um, and then Addison, of course. Uh, another thing to see from Dobbs, similar to Love, you know, able to find those tight ends. Um, but obviously he's got to just find whoever the hell's open right now with no JJ. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the story of the game, in the, in my opinion here, was like the, there's no reason the Vikings should have lost this, lost this game. They they had more total or team yards. They had 90 more team yards than the Broncos. They were winning this game going into the fourth quarter. You know, to me, I, I am guilty of falling asleep towards the end of the third quarter, didn't catch the fourth quarter in this one. Dad life, but... I, I just I did not expect to wake up and see that the Broncos won this game. The Vikings had this game the whole time. They did, and honestly, it's it's missed opportunities in the red zone for the Vikings, honestly. Settling for the field goals, having to settle for the field goals. Um, and then also, I believe this was the final drive of the game, and the Vikings trying to get down into field goal range to even have the opportunity to win. Um, Dobbs, it was, it was a, uh, basically... You know, ball snapped, Dobbs looked to his right, Hawkinson's out there, and Simmons had Hawkinson's number all game anyway, but uh, Simmons jumps the route, Dex, Hawkinson, no catch, and then, you know, we we run the ball, so now it's like, and get, I don't know, a couple yards, so now it's like third and six, whatever, something like that. We decide to throw that same ball to Hawkinson again, and Simmons does the exact same, it was the exact same play. Like, we're trying to force the ball now, to Hawkinson with no JJ on the field. Well, I, I don't know what the hell's going on with that. I would assume Addison was locked up for most of this game with Sertain. Yeah, I mean, Pat Sertain's an absolute monster of a corner. And that's the thing about this Broncos team is like, the, you're not, you can't rule them out just because of how good their defense is. And the, the other story of the game was the three turnovers. You know, you're, you're, you're not really, you're not going to win a lot of games in the NFL with a negative three turnover margin in a game. So it's, you know, the the hit on Dobbs from Kareem Jackson. You can argue, is that a penalty or not? It's, he's a running back on that play. He's not a quarterback. I don't think he, I don't know. I mean, Kareem Jackson has a history. That's the one thing that makes you really question it. But to me, that that's a football play. Like, you're, you're not going to get the fumble right there. He also led with the crown. That's that's the part that's the main issue, I believe. Do I think that, you know, changes the course of the game? No. Do I think that every game should be on one call? No. You should still play better enough before or after that. But I agree, like, that could be a factor. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest with you, that the whole crown of the helmet thing, it's like, I, I am all for player safety in the NFL. But when we're looking at targeting and leading with the crown of the helmet, all these fines these NFL running backs are getting right now, I mean, that's how foundationally how you're taught to play football and you're having to reteach that. But to me, the prime example of it is in college football this last week and you had the Boston College defender literally almost swan dive in the air, lead with his head and smoke the receiver in the head. 100% targeting, that needs to be eliminated from the NFL. But when Kareem Jackson is leading with the crown of his helmet, yes, did not make head contact with Dobbs. He hit him in the chest. chest yeah, it was which clear is, chest, which, which is really seems the, clean. Which is the best way to really cause a fumble in that situation. You're taught to put your head on the ball. Yeah, so to me, it's a modern-day NFL. You know, you can't really complain about it too much because that's the direction the NFL is going. We're going to get to this later with the bonehead move of the week, and we'll talk a lot about it more in depth. But it's just... Missed opportunities, yeah, you say that, but you look at the Broncos, they were one for five with converting red zone opportunities. 
you know, the Vikings were two for two for four. So, you know, not great. You want to convert more than 50% of your red zone opportunities, but it's just... It's the, it's the time timeliness of it, though, when they're missing on these red zone opportunities. Sure, sure. In the clutch or whatever you may call it, the immeasurable time. You know what I mean? And I mean, I guess you can say on the Denver side of the ball, Russell Wilson did enough to get the job done. He didn't look amazing, but he, he didn't look bad, actually. He played pretty well for most of the game. 27 for 35 should win you a good amount of games. You know, throwing for 260, that doesn't scream off the charts at you. Um, but the Broncos had no resemblance of a run game in this game. You know, 15 attempts for 46 yards. The Vikings locked them down in that regard. Now are the Broncos a, you know, top-tier run team in the NFL? No. But it, it was up to Russ, and Russ is back, man. He's not making those decisions like he was last year. He's not trying to force the ball. He's showing some of that escapability that he used to once have. His deep ball doesn't, that moon ball doesn't quite look the same now. But, you know, he's he's putting you in a position to at least win the game, and he's not costing you the game like he was last year. So now what's what's the realistic status of Denver for the rest of the season? Like their outlook, you know? Can can they challenge for an outside wildcard spot? I mean, they've won. That's four in a row now. I think that defense is going to get you a, a chance at the playoffs. I, I They need more production out of the run game, and they need those receivers to step up a little bit more. Like I said, I don't think Wilson's going to put you in a position to really lose the game. They also have the benefit of having a pretty weak AFC West. The Raiders aren't anything. We've already talked on talked talked about the Chargers. Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs. You know they they're yep. they're still going to be great. They don't have you know a wildly hard schedule. So I I think they could they could sneak into the a wild card spot. It's just the AFC is just so tough right now. It's just so tough right now. Yeah, no doubt. I would agree right there with your with the receiver play. And I mean, you did kind of see it a little bit. You know, in this game, Sutton with the one handed grab late in the game. Um, got the tutty as well. Jerry Judy ran some great routes on Sunday night. So I mean, we'll see. I think uh, I think they could challenge for an outside shot, but they gotta they gotta keep it going. Like you said, I think they kind of gotta ride that defense. And then if Russell Wilson can be, you know, a sliver of himself, they might be all right. I agree. I agree. I think the Broncos could. I don't know if they're necessarily going to. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out to say they're going to make some noise come playoff time. But no, I, 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 could I see feel like one and in. done. I feel like one and done. But who knows? Yeah, most certainly. Most certainly. Well, let's move on. For the record, I had Denver actually covering that spread. Smelty had the Vikings winning that game. Uh, sorry, we had them not necessarily winning, but covering. So they did lose by one. So they did cover that spread. So as it stands right now, we are... I'm down. Smelty, you are up. <laughs> one at 4-2. I am 0-2 so far on the slate. But let's move on. We have the Bengals traveling to Baltimore, taking on the Ravens. The Ravens were indeed a three-and-a-half point favorite in this game. I chose the Ravens to cover that spread. You thought the Bengals weren't necessarily going to win, but we're going to cover that. Story of the game, Smelty. We'll get right into it. Joe Burrow tore a ligament in his hand. He's out for the year, man. Yeah, I mean, that's unfortunate. And in a, in a very competitive division right now, that almost solidifies the Bengals as being out of that race. You just hate to see it. And we've seen it so many times this season already, which is super weird. Um, a lot of superstars going down. And that ju it just, like I said, I can't say it enough. It just sucks to see, you know. So who, who came in? Jake Browning, was it? Jake Browning. So Jake Browning. Um, definitely not Joey B., <laughs> but I will say he didn't look that bad. Obviously, your play calling is going to change with any quarterback that goes in there after Joe Burrow. He's not going to be able to do Joe Burrow shit. So, 
But what he did, what he, what he did show me though, is he showed me some decent pocket presence, right? Just seeing how he could feel the pressure around him, stepping up, getting out, whatever he had to do. He did show some of that. And you could see him going through his reads. Um, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how he plays uh, after a week of practice as, as, as the starter. If, if they decide they're going to go with him as a starter, I'd imagine they, they are. Yeah, they most certainly are. You know, he's a second-year player out of Washington. So, you know, you can't expect too much from him, especially without a week of practice. He was forcing the ball to Jamar a little bit too much, in my opinion. But in the same sentence, what are you going to do? You have one of a, a top-four receiver in the NFL, unquestionably a top-four receiver in the NFL. Like, throw the ball at him. But you look at Jamar, two catches, 12 yards on seven targets. Like, like the Ravens locked him down pretty good. They really did. But, yeah, I was quite impressed with Browning, how he came in. He showed some poise. He didn't seem like the stage was too big. Now, I mean, the, the game got out of hand pretty quick in this one. So he, he, he you got to take everything with a grain of salt. Baltimore just capitalized on it. That's all that was. That's what I mean. I'm curious to see a week in practice knowing you're starting and, you know, with with those receivers. I'm just curious to see if it's any different. Yeah, most certainly, most certainly. I am. Uh, I'm excited to to see what he kind of does as well because they have all the pieces as, again. But then you switch over to the other side of the ball here. The Ravens also suffered a big loss with Mark Andrews going down. Didn't seem to really slow him down in this game. You know, with the running game coming back alive, 157 yards total with Gus Edwards kind of showing what he does this year with those two touchdowns. And then Lamar kind of looked back to form in, in the pocket and passing oh. as well. You know, he's 16 for 26, 264, and two tuds. So all the, the, the speculation, oh, or whatever, like he's always going to get that because he's Lamar and everybody views him as a running quarterback. But he's proven time and time again that he is a good quarterback in the NFL and can throw the ball. Everybody's going to throw a dud once in a while. A hundred percent. And I mean, that stat line, right? 16 for 26, 264, two tuds. I mean, it's not anything amazing. But if you watched the game and watched him throw the ball, man, did Lamar look comfortable in the pocket. Straight up. He has looked more comfortable every single week to me. Yeah, he really has. He really has. Um, I mean, I don't think really much more needs to be said about this one. You know, like I said, the Ravens won pretty handily. OBJ, 116 on four receptions. Yeah, he had that that 51-yarder that, that was huge. I love to see it, brother. I've always been an OBJ fan. I like OBJ. Fan, I love it. I love yeah. it. And then and then you got then you got his buddy, Zay Flowers, man. Zay Flowers is so freaking dangerous in the open field. That was just the last thing I wanted to say. I think they threw just a slant or something short, right? But then he made the play with his feet. Kind of reminds me of Stefan Diggs a little bit, but like just how shifty he is in the open field. And I hate using shifty because I used it a shit ton last week. But he is, dude. He's got the fastest feet to me in the NFL. Just how he can stop on a dime, boom, boom. You know what I mean? Like, he's just... And, of course, listener, you're not going to know what I mean. But, like, you know, his cuts, just everything. He's so fast. He has the fastest feet in the NFL to me. Yeah, straight up. I don't know if I'd give him that crown over Devontae yet. Over Devontae Adams? Yeah. Zay Flowers? Yeah. Yes. You wild yes. for that. Sorry, yes. You wild for Dude, I'm that. telling you, bro. Oh, God, dude. I love it, dude. I love to see it. Bro, I'm curious dude. if Zay can... If he can uh, build on that or if that's what we're going to get, if it gets any better than that, you know, um, because if it doesn't get any better than that, then I would say obviously Devontae. But as Bro, far Devante. as like, I'm talking like foot speed, dude, like as far as making guys miss in the open field because of how fast you can move your lower body, like start, stop, any anything, dude, I'm telling you, Zay Flowers is it, bro. That, I still don't know if I'll go oh. with that, man. Devontae Adams. Now, really if I had to pick a receiver, 
Devonte Adams. Well, yeah, I'm not. I know. I know you're not saying okay, he's. A, okay, I'm not, okay. I know you're not getting there. And I'm he's talking, an elite route runner. I'm talking strictly in terms of footwork, right? Fast feet. <sighs> Chad bro. Johnson cried watching Devonte Adams releases, bro. Are we talking? Are we talking current Devonte Adams or? You look the last Adams. three or four years, his footwork hasn't dropped off. His quarterback play has. Well, yeah, we know that. Yeah, no, no, no. We know that for sure. I don't know. Just keep an eye on Zay Flowers, bro. Just no, keep I an was, eye uh, on him. I was actually really hopeful that he would have dry he would have made it to the Packers in the first uh, that the Packers would have drafted him last year. They had the opportunity getting um Van Ness, but I was I really, really, really liked Zay Flowers coming out. I like this Tavon Diggs comp. He was that was my comp going into the draft this year. He reminds me a lot of Diggs, not a huge big bodied receiver, but the shiftiness, the going up and getting the ball. Um, you know, he, I'm, and I'm not saying his footwork isn't elite. He has great for footwork. It's just it's hard for me to put anybody in in any realm of footwork above Devonte at this point. Um, but there is slight bias with my Packer fandom with Devonte as well with that. Right, and I'm not saying Devonte ain't elite because he is. I already know that. I've seen it my whole life <laughs> watching damn football. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was I'm I'm a big Zay Flowers guy. I think they need to get him more involved in the game plan. You know, whether it even just be like an end around that shovel pass. And you've seen that this game. They tried it on one or two plays. Now it didn't go for hella yards, but they definitely tried that shit. Yeah, and I like that. You know, even if it just looked like a bubble screen, just just get the ball get in, his in his hands, hands and see what he can do. Yep. Get that guy in open space. All right, well, let's move on. We had another AFC North matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to the Cleveland Browns. Taking on the dog pound. Going into this game, the Browns were four-point favorites. No Deshaun Watson for the Browns in this one. We've had some pretty big news coming out of the Steelers camp post-NFL weekend now. But the Browns ended up winning this game 13-10. Kind of stopping the Steelers' little run of a little bit of success, although they really shouldn't be winning games. Let's, Let's call it what it is. Dorian Thompson Robinson didn't look great. Can't expect too much out of him. You know, he didn't really put him in a position to lose the game. But, I mean, it was a dogfight the whole way. You expected it to be a defensive battle with two kind of underperforming offenses. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't really watch much of this game. It's not a game that jumps off the sheet and says, hey, I'm excited to watch that. You're not going to really see any big plays. You know, Jalen Warren did have that monster of a run, which, thank you, I needed that in fantasy. Really (laughs) did. Well, but, oh, sorry. Go and, I mean, look at Jalen Warren these past few weeks, though. His improvement over the past few weeks. Holy shit, where did he come from? You know what I mean? He's just kind of emerged now, and now is, isn't is he even starting over Najee Harris now? Didn't he get the start this week? I can't remember, but I thought they said that, like, he will be starting going forward. Yeah, yeah. Tom, Tomlin came out during the week last week and said that Jalen Warren will be the starter. Now, the funny thing about that or the interesting about that is Najee still did have three more carries than him. You know, so if you take out that 74-yard run, he had eight carries for 55 yards, 59 yards. So, you know, that doesn't scream off the, the, the page for you, but that's still pretty damn good. Still better than Najee. Eight carries for 59, I would still take over 12 for 35. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, I mean, this this game, there's nothing really about this game that excited me. So so let's not as much talk about the game, because I totally agree with you. But now let's talk about Cleveland's legit. I mean, both of these teams, do they even have a legitimate chance to challenge for the division? Cleveland, I could have said maybe with Deshaun. I don't know. I don't think DTR is going to get you what you're looking for this season. But, I mean, what are what are both teams' chances, do you think, to actually make a run in the division? I think the Steelers are a 500 team. 
I could see him finishing nine and seven, you know, that which isn't going to get you a wild card spot in the in the AFC. Um, Cleveland, their defense is just yeah, so damn good. Where yeah. I could see the Browns squeaking into a wild card spot, especially if they lean heavy on that run game. Now they didn't really perform too well in the run game this week with 29 carries for 96 yards, 3.3 yard average. Doesn't doesn't scream greatness to you, but again, you know, Steelers defense that front seven is just freaking nasty. But I, I don't know. I mean, the Steelers firing Matt Canada. That's the big news that happened, you know, uh, today, actually. I think that's long overdue, but I don't think it fixes the offense. You can't it's fix an late. offense 12 week, 11 weeks into the year. You no, know, the offense isn't going to change. Yeah, there's going to be a different play caller, but it's the same fundamental offense, which maybe they just need that, that change of scenery and a little bit of green with the, some fresh play calling. But... I don't know. It, I, I don't think either team is going to do anything in the playoffs, but I could see the Browns sweeping into a wild card spot. They're not going to contend with the Ravens. No, no. So I, I agree. I think it's too late kind of for the Matt Canada thing. I think it needed to happen, but I think it's too late for this season to really do anything with or change too much. Um, but as far as the Browns go, I think you kind of hit that on the head as far as rushing goes. The rushing attack hasn't been bad these past few weeks. So I think if they can get that up, and they can just get DTR to just, I mean, 43 attempts is fucking wild. Um, I think they need to tone that back a little bit and um, just get them some easier throws, man. Get them some easier throws, get some confidence under them, get Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford going, um, and see what happens with that. I think you're right. I think Cleveland could challenge for a wild card spot. Um, I don't think they could walk into mtnt bank stadium or whatever whatever the hell it's called for baltimore and win a game i don't think so and with them looking so good right now they're probably gonna win the division but in the Bengals situation cleveland does have a path for a wild card spot if they want it yeah they most certainly do i mean the afc north two weeks ago was a great division you got deshaun <laughs> that, watson oh. you got joe burrow and then you lose you know two of the three best quarterbacks in the division and Ravens lose Mark Andrews. It's just injuries as a whole, man. But yeah, that division. The Steelers are the only team that haven't encountered a serious injury yet. But isn't that crazy now how those injuries that you just mentioned have now kind of changed the way the division could look because of that? Absolutely. It completely changes the landscape of that division. It it really does. Must mean the league's just full of mediocre players if they make such a difference. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. All right, well, let's get on to our game of the week. We had a Super Bowl rematch. Philadelphia traveling down to Arrowhead and taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. What a hell of a game, Smelty. What a hell of a game. The Chiefs were favored by three going into this game. Both Smelty and I had the Chiefs covering that three and winning this game. That did not happen. We had the Eagles pulling it off 21-17. Tell me a little bit about that game, man. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, like, this is everything we wanted. I mean, this is the game of the year to this point. Also, Banner at the Boys game of the week. But, I mean, this is exactly the type of game you're looking for. For a Super Bowl rematch, maybe a Super Bowl preview even. Um, but late in the game, I really saw the Chiefs pulling out with this one. I really thought the Eagles had no chance. Um, but they really just kept grinding i guess you could say chipping away at the chiefs um wearing down their defense i think the chiefs defense played outstanding this game but the eagles just kept wearing them down 
wearing them down, wearing them down in that second half, and finally they broke. They did, man. The Eagles not allowing any second-half points is the story of the game. Mm. You know, it looks like going into the half, the Chiefs were up 17-7. The Chiefs were in control of the game. Pat Mahomes doing Pat Mahomes things. That first touchdown pass was one oh thing of a beauty. <laughs> and not very many NFL quarterbacks were making that throw. They had all of the run game in the first half. It was the, the Chiefs. The Chiefs' first half rushing was the most rushing yards the Eagles have allowed the entire year. And I believe that number was around 120, 122. They let up 40 yards in the second half. If, if that number is correct, I and could no be points. wrong. Yeah. And no points and essentially shut Mahomes down. You know, Mahomes' game does not he – he threw for 4.1 yards per average. You know, it doesn't scream off the sheets by any means and had a 71.6 quarterback rating. But Okay, okay, but 4.1 yards per average, right, if you look at it this way. Now, you're not passing every down, right? 43 attempts, you're passing a lot, but you're not passing every down. 4.3 yards – Okay, you do that three times, that's a first down. So the, the thing that astounds me, though, is like the just giving up on the run game. You know, like this is looking at strict, strictly just averages, but they average 5.6 yards per rush. You can't win very many, very many games averaging more yards per rush than you are averaging per pass in today's NFL with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. True, true. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. The cheap, the, the, the Mahomes average being who he is should be should be greater for sure. I'll give you that. But it's not like Kansas City didn't have any rushing game at all. Now in the second half they pretty much didn't, but in that first half they had it going on. So did the, did the Chiefs just get conservative, or did the Eagles make that many changes going into the second half that they finally? showed us what we've been kind of asking for on this pod the last two weeks. Like, show us something, Eagles, to show us that you're real. And that second half, that defense straight up showed me that they should be beating the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. I would 100% agree. That that Eagles defense, I had very a lot of questions going into this week. You know, they just... And the thing about we have it, every and, week. That's what I mean. Exactly, and they they showed that they can they can clamp down when they need to. Didn't have a good showing in the first half. They made the necessary adjustments, and to me, the biggest thing with the Eagles is just the lack of consistency. And even Jalen Hurts, in his post game interview, came out and said, "We have yet to play a full game of football this year, and we've lost one game." That's kind of fucking scary. No shit. But you're also thinking, like, if you have yet to play a whole game of football and you've only lost one game, then they're close. Imagine if they do play a full game of football. They're straight, dude. I, I don't... The, 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 the thing about the Eagles is, going into this week, the last couple of weeks, first half of the season is, the only real weakness I would say they had was their their secondary. That seemed to have been corrected. I mean, you held Bill Holmes to 177 yards? And your boy Bayard got a pick. He did. In the end zone. He did. Wasn't it in the that, end zone? Pretty uh, sure. It was in the red zone, I know for sure. I don't know if it was necessarily the end zone. Yeah, it was the end zone. It was the end zone, yep. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they, So they, that's already paying off. They shut down Travis Kelsey for the most part. Seven targets, or seven, nine targets, seven receptions. Two but big had, drops. But he only had 44 yards. Yes, the drops were the, the Achilles heel for Travis this game, and you just don't see it. And the fumble, too, which it just, he's a clutch player. He straight up is a clutch player, and those plays, the drops, which, okay, he dropped the ball on third down and then caught the ball on fourth down for the first down late in the game, but the drops and the fumble, it's just uncharacteristic for him, I would say. We don't really see that in crunch time. Like, he's usually the guy like, oh, great, Kelsey's getting the ball. Like, they're just they're just trying to run this game away, you know? 
Yeah, the fumble is the thing that just blew my mind the most. Like, he, he's never been known for that. He's a very, very... The thing with Kelsey is, like, he's targeted a lot. He gets a lot of receptions, but he takes care of his body. You know what I mean? And when I say that, not necessarily off the field, but he's not going in, lowering that shoulder, trying to get the extra two yards. Now, if it's a short yard of situation that anybody in the NFL is going to, but he avoids contacts pretty good. He protects his body when he gets hit. He, he doesn't try to just, just gun-ho force it like that, you know? So for him to have that fumble was just very, very surprising to me. And, I mean, not to throw this in there, it has nothing to do with the fumble, but, I mean, with Kelsey's TD that game, now he's allegedly tied for fifth for most TDs by a tight end in league history. From what I see, I think he's actually by himself in fifth, passing Jason Witten now, um, you know? So he's well on his way to being the greatest tight end of all time. Is he going to catch Rob Gronkowski? I have no idea because he was crazy with Brady and they're the top tandem quarterback tight end Tam to ever do it. But now Mahomes and Kelsey actually just tied Breeze and uh, Jimmy Graham for the third best combo ever to do it. So he's obviously his safety blanket, you know, um, and that's exactly who he went to in crunch time. And you saw it and he's always there for him, for Mahomes. I'm talking about Kelsey's always there for him. And then, yeah, just that that fumble, man. Just, I don't know. Really uncharacteristic. And if you look at those two drops, he had seven receptions on nine targets. Those two drops are the other two targets. So the ball was in his hands every single time he had the guy got targeted. What'd you expect with Mahomes? Yeah, but, it, dude, it's just so weird, man. Under, what was it, under four minutes left in the game, probably at that point, maybe under three. Like, it was literally, I don't know. I just keep saying the same thing over and over again. I know I do, and it's probably annoying as shit. But I'm just that flabbergasted at it. No, most certainly, most certainly. But the game delivered. You know, it's exactly what you want. Sunday night, or sorry, Monday night game. You don't get a lot of those great Monday night games anymore for whatever reason. You know, they have the pretty good matchups, but you just don't get that classic Monday night football, John Madden, Al Michaels, you know, gritty game that you just always used to see, and it used to be an absolute spectacle. Those are Sunday night games now. True, true, but this had that feeling to it to me. No, it did. It yeah, was bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, it yeah. No, this had that feeling to it to me. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. For me, the play of the game that sealed it is that, okay, actually, I'm curious what your opinion is on this then. Did MVS straight up drop that ball? 100%. You okay, made, that's what I think, too. Yeah, that's, Everybody, you got to make that you know, catch. Mahomes took it on himself. Mahomes is like, oh, I overthrew him, you know, as humble Mahomes does. As any great leader would do. Exactly, exactly, and he's always been like that. That's one thing I can respect on Mahomes. People hate on him, and that's fine. Um, I don't know I, how you can. I, don't, I honestly don't know how you can hate on the guy. He does everything you want off the field. He's a family man. He does gives back to the community. Like, he's a, he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time when it's all said and done. I'm not going to give him that right now because it's hard to give an active player that role. That's just my personal opinion on the matter. I like that's that why statement. I couldn't, that's why I In couldn't label sport, Brady. I like that statement. Yeah, that's why I couldn't label Brady as the GOAT when he was still actively playing. Now, as soon as he retired, he's the greatest of all time. Yep, okay. When LeBron retires, probably going to be the greatest of all time. Ooh, now, thank that's a whole other story. Thank you, yes, that's a whole other right story. Right now, he's not. Um, but it, it's... To go back to the Mahomes-Kelsey, I just don't think Kelsey has that much good football left him in at 34 years old. Do you think this is Kelsey's last ride, potentially? Absolutely not. I think he's going to be a very productive tight end in the NFL, but very productive isn't what we expect out of Travis Kelsey. You're, you're, you're talking about a guy who's consistently in the top five receiving yards in the entire league the last five, five or seven years. 
So that that drop off would still be great productive. He's still going to be a top three to four tight end in the NFL. Ever. But he's unquestioned. No, I'm just meaning like in the next year or two. Oh yeah, yeah. When it's yeah, all said okay. and done, yes, he's going to be one of the But you're saying he's going to start declining. You're seeing. Is that what you're saying? Is what we saw is no, maybe no, the no, start no. of the decline? I, I'm not saying that is all. I'm not saying that at all because he hasn't shown that this year. But he's also come out and said that he's never contemplated retirement as much as he has the last couple of years. At the end of the day, he has two rings. You know, he he doesn't necessarily have anything else left to prove. No. Besides going down as the greatest, which is a driving force and motivator for everybody. But in my opinion, he's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's dynamic. The only reason he's not the greatest tight end of his generation is because he played at the same time as Gronk. That's the, the the Peyton Manning Tom Brady argument applies the same thing. Sure. Yeah. Fair. Drew Brees with Peyton Manning and Tom fair. Brady applies the same thing. Fair. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's you know that's not in his favor, but it, it, he's hands down the best tight end in the NFL. I mean, it's not even remotely close to a number two. No. I would say you're George s- Kittle is number two right now with yep. Andrews going down, but that's a steep drop off to me. Where you look at the number one receiver, in my opinion, is still Devonte Adams versus number two being JJ Devont or JJ Tyree Kill or even Jamar Chase. There's not a big gap between those four receivers. I like your number. F- yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. And I'm not saying those are one through four. I'm just saying those like, are my those opinion. Are the top four, four best receivers, receivers in the NFL. Boom. Yeah, no. I agree. I think there's a steep drop-off from Kelsey to Kittle, and I would agree I'd put Kittle at two, followed by Anders, actually. But that difference between Kittle and Anders is a lot smaller than Kelsey to Kittle. Well, I think we can both agree from the outcome of this game that the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. Ooh. Uh, they won the game, but it uh, that's a debate for another time. I think right now today, they're, they're oh, man, that's a debate. They're pretty good. Eagles are pretty good. All right, well, we can we can debate that another time, but let's move on from the Week 11 slate. Just for those keeping track, Smeltzy was 2-for-5 on games this week predicting against the spread. I was also 2-for-5. So we are actually going to get a recap of where we're at for the year going into next week. It just takes a little bit of time to put that together. We didn't quite have that going into this week. We do apologize, but we will have a running total going forward every week just to kind of let the, let the viewers at home know kind of where we're at. with. And so you know who to comment on our Facebook page or whatever and talk shit about. Exactly. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Exactly. All right, man, let's get into tent talk, sir. We had some injuries this week. Uh, two, or the biggest injury that we all we already kind of spoke on briefly, Joey Burrow tearing a ligament in his throwing wrist. He is done for the year. That video of him trying to throw the ball on the sideline, man, that, that hurt to watch. And again, it's just your top superstar players getting injured again. It just, it just sucks to see. Um, even if you're an opponent of that team, like you want to beat them at their best so you can claim yourself the best that day or whatever. You know what I mean? It's a mentality, but it's just like you, you want to beat somebody at their best and now the Bengals just aren't at their best and they won't be this season. Yeah. And they were really starting to kind of turn the season around. I would have loved to see a a healthy Bengals team take on that Ravens team last week. That would have been a hell of a Mm. game as we expected. Um, but some more AFC North news. This wasn't news going into the slate but after recorded the last podcast Deshaun Watson was put on season ending injury re- or season ending season ending IR to repair a fracture he had in his throwing shoulder we've already spoken on that quite a bit with with, with the what we expect out of DTR um with recapping that game but uh, you know big loss to the Browns yeah no doubt I mean they really DTR's really got to 
you know, dial in at practice this week and just see if they can they gotta get that rushing game going and see if they can sneak into a playoff spot. Yeah, it's the season's not over by by far and by any means with Especially them. Especially at what, seven and three they are? I believe the Browns are now after that win. Yeah. Seven and three. Seven and three, yep. I mean, they're right there. So they just gotta see see how far uh DTR can take them. Yeah, most certainly, most certainly. Uh, let's shift our focus over to the NFC West. The San Francisco 49ers had a big blow to their defense. Talanoa Hufanga came on the season last year as a second-year player, kind of jumped off the stat sheet, made a name for herself. Torn ACL, another one down for the year. Straight up, you like saying his name, don't you? I do, man. I do. <laughs> nah, but uh, just another big loss and uh, another loss to a really good defense. Um I'm curious who do you know who they replaced with him uh for the game? I don't I don't. Um I'm sure we'll hear the name here. In I'm the not coming gonna lie to you, Smelty. I can name Chardavius Ward and that's the only other secondary player I know on the Niners. That's fair. Like that well, that's what I mean though, then, right? Like we have no yeah. I, we have no idea. So it'll be curious to see if teams really attack that um going forward. The 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 crazy thing about that is it's gonna be hard to do that with the Niners front seven, man. Chase Young on the other side of Nick Bosa looks fucking scary. Nasty. Speaking of Bosa, his brother went out in the Packer game. He was pretty emotional in the game. Um he he's headed to the IR with a foot sprain. It's not considered to be season ending, but with how the Chargers are doing, if he's out for the next four weeks, I don't see them in playoff contention to even put him back on the field. Yeah, no, I mean they really need him. Like you said, I mean if they if they go three and one in those four games, yeah, bring him back. But if they go one and four or even two and two, you really have to consider your playoff chances and maybe you just shut him down for the rest of the season. I mean, he you you invested a lot in him. Why why put him out there if he's not if he's coming fresh off injury, even if he's a hundred percent, do you really take that risk? I like I like that take. That's a I mean something to think about yeah to me it's not necessarily I, I don't know if the record really matters until they are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs okay. Th- that that to me is the deciding factor so if they still had a one in a million chance saying there's a chance well, so so l- l- let me rephrase that a realistic mathematic okay. Yeah, okay, you know there's like if these seven teams have to win and these two teams have to tie like I, that yeah that's then too it's much, like but, no you know a realistic chance i guess more than mathematically eliminated fair enough um then we're gonna move over to my packers aaron jones as we spoke earlier about went down in the second quarter he was emotional on the field he feared he tore his acl immediately it ended up only being a sprained mcl so it's not a huge injury he's considered week to week this week or week to week at this point with him coming off a short week and playing on thanksgiving he's not expected to play this week but we could very well see him back next week with that that in quotations mini buy yeah thank god and not another torn acl um just way too many of them but trust me you know when you tear that shit you hear that pop i'll tell you right now but it just sucks man like at least at least it's only a sprain of the mcl right um pat that offense really needs an aaron jones right now a healthy aaron jones right now and who do they play this week the lions (sighs) aj Dillon, my man you better be ready to run (laughs) Yeah, and so for and those Dylan who... Dylan was hurt too, wasn't he? No, Dylan didn't get hurt. The third string, Emmanuel oh, Wilson okay, got hurt. Okay. So Dylan was the only back. Dylan's the only healthy back on the roster. Right well, he's going to have to be a bowling ball this week. Well, he's good at being a bowling ball. He just don't go hit any pins. Well, you got to go down the lane too. Yeah, he, he <laughs> you don't go down the lane, You got to go north to south, not east to west. <laughs> for those listeners at home, as we spoke on last week, I'm a proud new owner of an Aaron Jones jersey just because of the poor performance last week. I did not wear it this week, so I am not the reason for those keeping track. But you did buy a new jersey for those keeping track of 
of Tyler's jerseys. I did, I did. Or my uh, my white away Romeo Dobbs jersey came today. You know, I have that Aaron Jones home jersey, so I wanted to get an away jersey. What I'm color's the Aaron Rodgers jersey you got? Aaron Rodgers is a home jersey, too. So do you trust yourself wearing white? I do. Oh, shit. I, I do, do not, dude. I could not, I could not buy a white jersey, bro. Like, I, I could if I'm sitting at home. But even then, dude, if I'm eating, I'm taking that shit off. I'm, yeah, I'm going to drop man. some shit on there. Man. It is what it is. It's not in a washing machine. A little bit of bleach can't get out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or those like the 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 the, the, war, the war scars for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. damn. That's that ketchup stain from 1987. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm one of those weird guys where if the Packers are playing away. I want to wear an away jersey. If the Packers are playing home. I want to wear a home jersey. I also have a white hat and a green hat, so it's the same regard. Holy so shit. I'm, I'm not a huge superstitious guy. I mean, it doesn't sound like that yeah, from what right. I just said. But um, yeah, that's that, that's pretty much kind <laughs> of my it. game plan. So for the, the funny thing about that as well, it's uh, we got my daughter who's who's 14 months, a uh, Packers little cheerleader outfit. We have put every game that we have put her in it, they have one. And when so it sounds like she's wearing you know, that the, for the rest of the season. No, because I don't want them to win. We have no reason. We oh, have no reason fair. winning games at this point. <laughs> no, I'm I'm only kidding with that. I want to see some progression out of this offense. You know, I mean, yeah, I would like to see a, a top tier pick, but I don't think we're a bad enough team to deserve a top five pick. And I mean, the difference between You're between six twelve and, 12. and seventeen. Yeah, so it's it's I, I I like the progression that I'm seeing. You know, and I like these young pieces on defense that are showing. Um, but back to the 10 talk here. Kenneth Walker for the Seahawks went down with a non-contact oblique injury. Pete Carroll came out and said yesterday, being Monday, that they don't consider it to be him to be an IR candidate at this time. But he did acknowledge that the team does need to learn more about the running back's injury before determining how much time he might miss. Hmm. Yeah, so that sounds like a real definition of day-to-day situation oh yeah it's coach talk for you 100 percent. he's not going to give the other team any advantage in knowing what he's going to be um but as you had mentioned off air here zach chardonnay has actually looked pretty good spelling him so i don't think there's a huge loss right there no need to rush him if he's not 100 percent. before we get to one of our new segments that is only new because we're putting a name on it we've talked about it every week this week this this podcast here we're going to get to uh, some surprising news out of the indie cap shaquille leonard was released today he was, you know, a, a former three-time All-Pro. He was a defensive rookie of the year. He he has a lot of talent. He's been had the injury bug as of late, and he's kind of worked himself out of that Indianapolis rotation. With the Indy being as young as they are, I could see why they want to see that young talent. I mean, I like that they released him versus, you know, giving trading him earlier in the year, giving him a chance to kind of see who he wants to go play for, put himself on a contender, assuming he clears waivers, which I, I don't know if he will. Oh, you don't know if he will. I I don't know. I, cause if so, if you get picked up on waivers, you got to pick up his contract too, right? Yep. Yeah. So, hmm. But it's for a team that's you know a, a middle linebacker, an off ball linebacker away. You know, with that foundational piece, a team like say the Buffalo Bills with Matt Milano going down. I could see the Bills picking up, take, not taking the chance of him not clearing waivers. You know, I can't really think of another, like, top-tier team that's in need of that. Because he's not a middle linebacker. He's an off-ball outside linebacker. You know, he's not going to offer much in terms of rushing the passer. It's, it's to be honest with you, I haven't really watched much of him in recent years because he has battled with so many injuries. But when he was, you know, his first three years in the league, even five years, he he just was always on the ball. That guy was just a ball hawk as a def- as a, de- uh, a linebacker. I mean, that's why he was three-time All-Pro. First-team All-Pro. One of those years being his rookie year, where he was defensive rookie of the year as well. So it's just somebody will take a chance on him, and I, I kind of like it. It's it, He's kind of more like a 
middle risk, high reward type of guy, maybe. And I say middle risk because because of those injuries. You don't know how many games he's going to play for you. The Vikings signed Marcus Davenport this year, and he's played two freaking games. And he was allegedly healthy. The Vikings also signed Michael Pierce the year before. Same bullshit. Sorry to go on a tangent about the Vikings again. But he, he's kind of that middle risk only because of the injuries, the two back the two back surgeries and I think 2022 or whatever. You know, I think somebody's willing to take that risk for the chance that he goes back to that first-team all-pro form. And you mentioned his playing time. I mean, when you're not getting consistent playing time, it's hard to get into that that form as as like these football players football players say around the world you know you get into a form right and he kind of can't get into a good form if he's not playing so i get i guess we'll just see if so i i not see if somebody takes a risk we'll see who takes that risk yeah the other thing that's not in his favor is the days of a four three off defense are not long gone going but away they're going away so you know can does what does he offer as a three four inside backer i don't know I, that, that's actually an interesting take because he's uber athletic you know he's slowed down in the last couple of years with the injuries but i'm excited to see who he goes to and what kind of difference he can make you know let's look at another team dallas cowboys losing leighton randerash oh yeah leighton did play outside didn't he he did didn't and he? that's, that's right. a four three defense right. yeah mm-hmm that's a thought I didn't think about. That would be interesting, and that'd be somebody that'd be willing to pick up whatever contract it may be. Absolutely. They're in win-now mode. I mean, it's, it's the, they're Super Bowl or bust right now with how young their core is, and they have to capitalize on it. So they're, I could—and it's Jerry Jones. He's not afraid to make a move. That's what I mean. They're, they're willing to spend, and their window, I would say, is closing. They're in it right now. I think the Cowboys are good enough to make a run. Do I think they're good enough to beat the 49ers or the Eagles? I think that'd be a great game, but no. Um— but it, I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't think about the Cowboys' landing spot. Yeah, that's that, it's interesting. I'm excited to see what he does with, with, with you know, I hope he does rejuvenate his career and get back into his all-pro form. But let's go to our last topic here for our tent talk. We have the Rogers watch. We have some new news. This motherfucker is jogging on, it's not a treadmill, it's that new age treadmill. I don't know what the hell they're called. But this guy is jogging targeting to practice by his birthday which is december 3rd allegedly flying fuck allegedly i oh my god i mean i don't i don't even an achilles and you to come back that quick at a game that's so physical dude i mean you have to know that you're good to go i that's real tough man i mean how how long is a typical Achilles? Like, what was he slated? So, I know originally, right? Season's over. Boom. That's it. And you don't see players. You look at the NBA. You don't see players come back same season from Achilles. I know it was the first game. I know it was, what, eight five minutes into the first game? Eight seconds? Something, something stupid quick. Four plays. Four plays into the season. No, not even four plays. It was the first play. Was it really the it's first? The, the Jets' it, first offensive position. Either way, first, first drive of the season. So... I guess you could see how he could return, but is it worth it to the Jets to have him so return? So th- that, that's a big thing. The, the The quickest recovery from an Achilles in the NFL is Cam Akers when he tore it in the, with the Rams and he ended up playing in the Super Bowl. That same, the year the Rams went to the Super Bowl. But that um, was his first game back was the Super Bowl? Yeah. See, there's all and there's sorts all of weeks Because there's there. a break. There's yeah. a two-week break between the last and the playoff Pro Bowl, game. Well, Pro well, Bowl games or whatever the fuck. Right. But the, so to answer your initial question, jogging is a 12-week recovery. Like, that's what it's supposed to be slated as is about 12 weeks, which is four months. Now, you look at it, we're 11 weeks since that injury. 
10 weeks since the injury. So he's, he, but he's ahead of schedule. So he's just so. slightly ahead of schedule. But okay, so then, so then you do look at it if you're the Jets. Do you let him play? If he says, I'm good, medical staff says he's good to go, do you let him play to get more familiar with their offense and their no. players for next season? Or do you just it's shut them down? 100%. It, it, the same thing goes with, like, like I had mentioned with Joey Bosa. It's to this one, it is 100% because this is Rogers' mindset is when they are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Because last year, when he got hurt last year, and the Packers were still in it. He wouldn't have played Week 17 against the Lions if they were mathematically eliminated. He would have given the reins and see what the young core had with Jordan Love. So I think the same thing applies here because the Jets are a quarterback away from being an elite team in the NFL. No, 100%, and we know that. And that's what they went and did. They got the guy to take them to the Super Bowl, in my opinion, 100%. I was super stoked, actually, to finally be able to watch Rodgers not as a Packer and be like, yo, yes. He's elite without like, <laughs> wow, I was going to say something ridiculously inappropriate. I'm glad I didn't. Um, without like, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just, it was, it was going to be nice to see him play at a high level for a different team straight up. And I, and I figured that he would take the Jets to the Super Bowl because the offense is close. The defense is there in my opinion, but I don't know. I'm with you, man. I wanted to see the Jets. I want to see Rodgers win another, win another Super Bowl just because of how the Packers treated him and their their inability or their unwillingness to put talent around him, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I was really happy to see him go somewhere where they, they showed they wanted him. They built the team around him, and I was really excited. You know, I mean, I have no—I don't hold any gripe against Rodgers for wanting out. I, I really don't. Enough about the play of week 11. We have one of my favorite segments, your bonehead move of the week, brought to you by Smelty. Yeah, and I mean, this is this is going to be a guy that you probably don't expect to hear anymore, especially in bonehead move of the week. A lot of people are going to want to punch me in the face, and that is okay, because um, you can't do it through the screen. So, Tom Brady came out with an interesting interview or something i don't know how this came about whatever there's a number of articles about it tom brady pretty much came out and said that nfl play has a lot of mediocrity and i think that's a bunch of bullshit straight up i think the nfl is full of a lot of talented players i don't think anybody's necessarily okay with being mediocre unless you're the la chargers and uh i don't know i just think that statement alone is a bunch of bs now he said a bunch of other shit that we're going to talk about that i actually do agree with but the NFL play, let's just talk about that first. NFL play has a lot of mediocrity. What, what is your opinion on that? Oh, I don't think we can just limit— It's a very vague statement, right? Well, th that's because he followed it up with his reasons. And right. his, his biggest reason—well, or one of the biggest reasons he said was the lack of coaching. He said the coaching has gone down, and the coaching is very mediocre. And that, that's going to be a, a relay to the play on the field. I don't know if I can disagree with him. You know, if I were to just blanketly hear the mediocrity of the NFL without hearing his reason behind it, and as he, he sat down, he had an interview with Stephen A. Smith, actually, is what it was. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I can necessarily disagree with him. I mean, you look at quarterback play this year, there's a lot of quarterbacks hovering around that 50, 60% completion mark. There's a lot that are dead right now, too, for the season. A lot of quarterbacks, high-end quarterbacks that are done for the season. Yep, and that's also a part of what, what Brady's pinpoint right. was was he said that the development of players has hit an all he didn't say an all-time low but he said that the coaches don't have that developmental play anymore and i think the largest reason behind that 
is because these coaches are no longer head coaches. They're the play caller for offensive defense, so they have an agenda besides coaching the team. You look at one of the most successful coaches in the NFL right now, Mike Tomlin. He don't call offense or defense. He's the head coach of the football team and puts people in positions to make those calls. Now, he didn't make a great decision in Matt Canada, as we have learned as of late, but you look at... And Brady's always going to, like, default this to Bill Belichick. One As he the, should. The I mean. greatest the greatest coach of all time. You can make an argument, the greatest GM of all time, right? He has that traditional football building of the players. They're not going to go out and sign that big-name free agent. Yeah, they did bring in the Randy Moss. They did bring in the Darrell Revis for a couple of years. But they always drafted great and developed the players that they have. You don't really see that in the NFL much anymore. No, and, and you don't as far as the development piece goes. You'll see it occasionally right like Patrick Mahomes he was a nobody when he got drafted yes he went to Texas Tech yes people in the state of Texas knew who he was the first round draft but you want to like not a nobody but still he wasn't the top quarterback in the draft that year nobody was really talking about him becoming who he is now he he was an example of somebody that was developed in the NFL system and to, to that point who has been his head coach one of the OG traditional old school coaches in Andy Reid. Now he has he has evolved with the game, but his foundational pieces, the foundation of his coaching hasn't changed. He's just evolved with the offensive prowess. Okay, so let's take a look at Jalen Hurts then. Does he is he just a baller? He just came in and he's a baller and like he doesn't he didn't necessarily he's developing, obviously you see it every week, but did he just come in and, you know, he was just a player right out of the gate. Like he didn't necessarily need the development or the, that big time coach to develop him. Cause that his coach isn't necessarily an old school coach like, like Andy Reed. Right. I, I, I would disagree. I think Sirianni is so? a new age coach, but he has the old school mentality and the old school mindset behind it. Yeah. Cause he preaches that dog mentality. You know, it's, you, you can go on and on about that. He builds his team in the trenches. How many teams are building in the trenches nowadays? Well, right, and that's exactly where you need to start. That's where games are won or lost, is straight up in the trenches. We, we all know that. Okay. Um, but so let's look at other quarterbacks that were projected to be stars. Tua needed Mike McDaniels before he could really do anything. Trevor Lawrence hasn't shown greatness. He was expected to be the next big thing. He was a straight-up bust his first year. However, he, he, let's, let's, however let's put the since Urban Meyer there. left, Let's put the asterisk on He was. He was a straight-up fucking bust his first year. But since then, he started finally taking those steps. Now, it took him, what is this, year four, I think? Three. It took him till now to finally look decent. And now he's still losing big games, and that's a whole other conversation. But But, so so let's let's keep going around those young young stud quarterbacks that were coming out. Justin Herbert, he's a stud. He doesn't need, have a he doesn't have that foundational he coach. He needs a coach. No, he needs a coach. Staley is a good example. Staley, I believe it's how it's said. He's a perfect example of like a new age coach that's not gonna fucking work. And and not to talk about the Vikings again, but like I like KOC, but I'm still determining like he's definitely a player's coach, right? But is he more of a player manager than a coach? Because those are two different things to me. You you know, you're you almost seem like you have to babysit guys now. So let's look at the top-tier teams in the NFL. Let's start with the Eagles because they're, in my opinion, the best team in the NFL. Sirianni's not a play caller. Jonathan Gannon was running the defense last year. Shane Sykin was running the offense, got the head coaching gig at the Colts. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid is the play caller. The Ravens, John Harbaugh ain't calling offensive or defensive plays. San Fran, 
yes, Kyle Shanahan is the the play caller, but I think San Fran is more a product of Shanahan's system than any quarterback that's going to play for him. They don't need an elite quarterback to be successful. And then, you know, the other top-tier teams, I mean, do we really have any more top-tier teams? You, you Not like top-tier, but who else you— who else were you going to mention? Yeah, I mean, the, the Cowboys, McCarthy's back calling plays this year with Kellen Moore leaving. Um, but it's just, you, you, I back to the Brady point, do I think that the talent in the NFL is mediocre? No. And that's not necessarily what he was saying, I guess. Maybe I made it portrayed it that way. But the play, like, I just, I don't think it's got mediocrity written on it. I don't. But I... Again, some of the shit he ends up saying, I do agree with, which I'll touch on. But yeah, and, and I think that's the foundation of it is like, why is he saying that? And the, the points he made after that make all of the sense in the world. So, so again, he says he stay ends up stating that like college teams are just teams right now. They're not programs like they were. So they're not getting teams as or players as ready for the NFL as they were before. Now. Mm, there's still a couple that are definitely programs, pretty much the entire SEC. Co college but, football as a whole is an absolute business since the NIL became a thing yeah. at the transfer portal. Like, yeah. I don't think college football will ever be the same because of not only NIL, but because of the transfer portal. I, both of those are massive factors in that. It's hard to create some sort of program continuing. <laughs> I'm not even going to say the word, but it, um, it's hard to make create a program when when. Your, your top guy could just be like, you know what? I'm not feeling it. I'm out. I'm going to UCLA or whatever, you know? That's the thing. You get a quarterback that's a five-star recruit who needs to sit one year because they have a senior quarterback who can't, who's led the team to success the last two, three years and doesn't want to sit because they know they can go to somewhere else and be the quarterback. The end of that, they might not have the best success, but it's... And, and to me, that's the biggest issue in terms of, like, the play. It's the 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 personalities of where the world is with the social media aspect of it. If one player, if a player gets unhappy one time, goes on a Twitter rant, says whatever, you look at Najee Harris in his postgame, in his interview after the Steelers game, you know, like, that's the kind of shit you didn't see 10, 15 years ago when Brady was playing and where he's coming from. And, and it's just like the, the whining aspect of it. It's are you fully committed to your team in the game of football trying to be the best that you can be at your craft? No. And, now, I, and Brady's – sorry, I didn't no, mean to cut you off or not get you going. But Brady also played for Bill Belichick where that wasn't allowed or not a thing. Right. So he'd, he'd never seen that. Goes down to Tampa, plays under Bruce Arians. Not allowed, it's not a thing. Well, and it's funny you bring up social media because I think that's a massive factor in everything that Brady's saying. I think there are still absolutely guys over the years that had similar mentalities as these guys, 100%. It just wasn't being captured because there was no social media. There wasn't f fucking 30 cameras at a football game. You know what I mean? It just didn't exist. So I think a lot of this stuff is being captured now, and then, you know, it just explodes every week. There's a new story of whatever, hence bonehead move of the week, right? But... I, I get what I get what Brady's saying. I, I do. I just think that the play as a whole is still at a high level. But as far as like his explaining of it, I get it. And again, I did look I did look at what he said and explained. I didn't just pull this out of my ass. And there there is one quote that goes along with that coaching, right? He said, quote, you hear coaches complaining about their own player being tackled and not necessarily why don't they talk to their players about how to protect themselves? That, that statement, I 100% agree with. 100%. That, that, that one hit home as well as 
He's saying with the, the way that the football rules have changed in terms of defenseless or receiver, where if he played, and he, he literally said this, where if he played against Ray Lewis, he would not throw the ball over the Ray middle. Ray Lewis, because, Ronnie Lott, some some other guys. Well, he yeah. didn't play against Ronnie Lott, but he, it was Ray Lewis. Um, I thought it was, I didn't know it was just guys he played against on that. But yeah, but, I know, but, I know so what, what, what you're he was saying. saying, though, is like he said when he played against a Ray Lewis, he didn't throw the ball over the middle because he knew Ray Lewis would tear the head off of his receiver, and he couldn't afford to lose one of his receivers. So you don't got to worry about that anymore unless you're playing Kareem Jackson. Oh, Rodney Harrison, my bad. And he Rodney did actually Harrison. he did actually mention Rodney Lott, my bad. But, yeah, he, he did but mention yeah. he mentioned Rodney Lott. He just like what the, the the quote I was meaning was he was specifically saying that when he was speaking of those he was saying that that was that old school football that they'll they'll, they'll take you out. And then he spoke specifically about not throwing the ball over the middle um, to against Ray Lewis because he didn't want to put his receiver in a position where he's going to get hurt. So I actually, I listened to, I, I watched the Rodgers on McAfee today, and then Rodgers actually talked about it after, and he almost wholeheartedly agreed with Brady, where he, he was just like, you know, it, when he first started playing the football, and he, he actually compared it against the Lions between like 08 to 2014, where the Lions never really had a great defense, but he knew that he was going to get his ass beat every single game. And if you look at one of those rule changes, Rodgers is the cause of one of those rule changes when Anthony Barr sacked him and came down on him and broke his collarbone. Yeah, Rodgers land. Rodgers immediately said after that 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 was not a dirty hit. It was Rodgers' fault for holding onto the ball too long and not being able to brace himself for the fall. Sure, sure. Well, and that's just it. Like, and then Brady also mentioned every like Ray Lewis hit would have been a penalty. You know what I mean? So that's what he said so against like, the when he yeah. brought up Ronnie Lott, Rodney Harrison, and Ray Lewis, and he said every single tackle they made would be a fine and a penalty in the NFL nowadays, and that is sucks. And that and that part, I agree with him hundred percent, hundred percent. And that sucks because it has changed the game. It changes how NFL players play the game. It changes how coaches coach the game because they they have to change. You have to change with the rules, and you know he's just pointing that out, and I get it, I do, but I think the play is still a high level. I think it's still at a high level, like because it is the highest of the high levels that you can I just, get. I just don't like mediocrity being thrown around with the level of play with the NFL. I don't. Because, like, I mean, that's the highest you can possibly do it. Has the game changed since he's played? Yes, of course, right? He's one of the reasons for a rule change, too. Isn't he the reason for quarterbacks not being sacked underneath the knee or whatever which i totally think that's a good thing what what joe theisman broke his leg alex smith all that shit yeah see that that to me that rule like you eliminate i don't think you should go in and dive at a quarterback's knees but if you're pushed down by the offensive lineman and you have to wrap up you can only wrap up around the knees that's not there's a only so penalty. much you can do that's yeah, not no, a penalty no, no. that's playing the game that's yeah playing but the it's game. like someone coming in and just diving straight at your knees like that that's that's not I don't agree with that, and that's what you're seeing more of in the secondary now, which I believe is going to lead to a lot more soft tissue injuries. And it's just, and and I, I don't have a fix. You know, I'm not going to say go back to the old days and let these guys headhunt because we have to protect the players to a certain degree. And that's the thing. It's like there's so much debate and it's conversation a really about big gray this. Area. But there's just there, there's no there's no right answer in my opinion. You know, there's always going to be something that that should be allowed, shouldn't be allowed. Do I think that they are protecting the players too much at this point? I do. You're taking out a lot of the physicality of football. One of my favorite things to do is put on an, uh, Ray, or a Ray Lewis highlight tape and watch oh, him just yeah. fucking demolish people over the middle. Oh, yeah. No, he was nasty for sure. I mean, 
like like Brady said, all those hits would probably be penalties nowadays. All Damn, the blindside stuff sucks, would be a penalty nowadays. So again, the blindside stuff I can get behind too, because like in a lot of times, well, blindside hits a blindside hit that like you could really mess somebody up that's what i'm saying I, i'm okay mm -hmm. with taking that out of the league especially because you were seeing it where players were just being dirty a player's not even in contention uh, to making the play name? and you're taking uh, him out Berset, Berfet, uh vontez perfect yeah dude he was one of the best at that <laughs> but i'm not gonna lie though with that whole thing happened when juju fucking nailed him and stood over him oh dude i, I love was that so proud of dude, I, I, I can't that. stand I juju did juju get suspended for that i can't remember i'm sure he Probably got a suspended game or something game but or i something. love that you have to i guarantee you half that nfl most nfl love that shit oh yeah I dude that, I, but, I, that made me so happy but again as a whole not like the biggest bonehead play of the week but i thought it was definitely worth talking about and we could probably still talk about it yeah, more. Yeah, most certainly. We could do a whole episode on just, just that itself. But let's move on to the Week 12 slate. We're going to start this week off being a holiday week. We have Thanksgiving quickly approaching. The Packers and the Lions. Lions are always going to play on Thanksgiving. Packers tend to usually are one of those games that they do play, or one of those teams that they do play. We have the Lions favored by seven in this game. I'll start us off, and I think the Packers are going to cover that seven. I think the Lions win this game, but the what I've seen in the Packers' offense the last two weeks, I don't know if it's replicable. I don't know if they can continue it, but they have shown they can at least for one week. And the Packers' defense is playing pretty damn good right now, so I, I'm scared shitless to see what Jamar Gibbs, Gibbs and David Montgomery are going to do. But I think the Packers are going to keep this one close, and I, I think this, this should be more of a, a three- to five-point spread. Mm. Yeah, I, I have the Lions winning and the Packers not covering that uh, straight up. I think the Lions win by two, three scores. I I think it. I don't think it's going to be close. It's in Detroit, right? Is yeah. it always in, always in Detroit? Detroit on yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, dude, nah, no way. Lions all day. Uh, best running back duo in the league. We've talked about it before. Jared Goff is money right now. Uh, yeah, Lions take that for sure. We will agree to disagree on that one. That's all we do. That's all we do. That makes it interesting. So your Vikings are hosting the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. Vikings are a three-point favorite in that one. Who do you got? Yeah, I mean, I'll be at that game, so I'll probably get sub in the game at QB, and I'm going to lead us to a victory. I say the Vikings take the dub. Uh, maybe I give a little halftime update or something like, hey, yeah, and uh, we suck real bad, and, uh, you know, see what happens next week. I'm in agreement with you. The Bears are just a just terrible football team at this point, so I don't see them being able to really do much, and I think Josh Dobbs is going to bounce back. Now it's the week to do it because the Bears' defense is shredded cheese, but I think I'm agree with you. I think the Vikings are going to cover that three points, especially at home on Monday night. It's going to be rocking. It is. It is. So that leads us to an NFC West face off here we have the san francisco 49ers traveling up to seattle taking on the seahawks the seahawks are a seven point underdog in this game and it is the first game we are ever having on black friday first game ever first game ever on black friday is this like a weird amazon prime game too it is of course of course it is <laughs> oh i don't know why that geeked me out so bad um yeah I think the 49ers are too much right now. I think they've started to find their stride. Do the Seahawks cover? Yeah. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's close. I'm with you. I don't think this is going to be a close game. What I saw of the 49ers last week, Brock Purdy having a perfect passer rating, 
I mean, they played the Bucs. They're not a great team by any way, shape, or form, but I think the 49ers are back, and the Seahawks with Geno being banged up, with Kenneth Walker not be, not be, might not being mm, able to go. True. Um, I, I just don't see 49ers not winning this game by seven. CMC's healthy, right? CMC is healthy. Debo healthy? Debo's back. Oh, dude. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna dog walk the Seahawks. Is it in Seattle, change too? Your, it's in Seattle. Yeah, you let me change, change it. I, I think Niners just straight up whoop their ass. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see this game being close, I think to be that honest defense, with you. It's the defense for me. Seriously, every week for the Niners, it's the defense for me that makes a difference. We know Purdy's good enough to win games, but I think it's that defense that truly will make the difference. Well, we're in agreement on that one. Next, we have our game of the week. The Buffalo Bills traveling to the city of brotherly love, taking on the Eagles. Eagles are a three-point favorite in this game. What are your thoughts, brother? I know where I'm going. I'm going Eagles. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not even close here either, honestly. The Bills seem to be sputtering hard right now, and they cannot seem to figure it out. I think the and, and we just saw what the Eagles defense did in the second half in that KC game. I think if that defense shows up from the start of the game, it's a wrap. I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I think the Bills came out last week. They looked good. That offense looked like it was rejuvenated. Um, you know, they didn't play a, a top-tier team by any way, shape, or form. But they, they just looked like they might have had it back. I mean, they dog-walked the Jets. The Jets are a shit show. But I, I like what I saw out of the Bills last week. I'm still not 100% sold on the Eagles. I want to see a little bit more against another good team. And I think the Bills, uh, they might not win this game. I like the three-point spread. I think that's pretty fair. But I see this as a you know one or two-point game with the, uh, the Bills either coming out on top or covering that spread. So at least we have two games we disagreed on so far. Uh, we're going to finish up this slate with an AFC South battle. The Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the rejuvenated C.J. Stroud-led Houston Texans. Jaguars go down as only a one-and-a-half-point favorite. That's a little bit closer than I expected on this game, a little bit too close for my liking. Um, but I'm going to start us off here, and I think the Texans are going to win this game. I don't even need the one-and-a-half points. I, I would go Texans' money line on this one. Yeah, I mean, this game's almost game of the week for me, to be honest. Like, game of the week, plan B. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, the Jaguars have to win this game. If they, I mean, with that AFC North slate coming up, they have to win this game. Um but I'm agreeing with you. I don't think they do. I think C.J. Stroud is too hot right now. I think the Texans could win by almost two scores straight up. Um, I I think the Texans, I think, are they in a playoff spot right now in the wild card? No. I know they're lo outside looking in, though. They're in, quote-unquote, in the hunt. Um, I think they could actually make a play for a playoff spot. And I'm sorry. The Texans are. They're currently the sixth seed in are the they? AFC. Are they? Okay. And uh, this is in Houston, right? This is in Houston. Oh, they're going to come alive there. This this is a game they have to win. Both teams need this game bad. That's that's going to be a good game, but I think Texans take it. I agree with you, man. I, uh, I Like I said, I mean, I, I don't need the money on this one. I don't need the spread on this one. I think the Texans win this game. C.J. Stroud is playing absolutely unbelievable right now. Tank Dell is coming on super strong. Nico Collins has been a little bit banged up. Hadn't really done what he did the first half of the year, but... I, I'm not sold on this Jaguars team. I'm really they, not. I'm telling you, they need this game. They bad. do. I think they play Texans and then the Titans, and then it's the gauntlet of the AFC North right now. So they really, if to prove it to themselves, they really need to win these next two games before they even get to those three. Yeah, man. It's Texans, Bengals, Browns, Ravens. Oh, now, Bengals, oh Browns, a little bit different landscape now that the now, quarterbacks yeah. are out. But again, this is a must-win game then it for is. the Jaguars. It is. I mean, even if you look at, so the, the Jaguars won the first game. Um, earlier this year in week two, but 
this is going to, in my opinion, this is going to show how the AFC South is going to go this year. If the Texans win this game, I, without looking at divisional records, I, without digging too deep, they're going to be tied for the lead in that first in, in first in the AFC South. Even even not just this season. I think this is a preview of the AFC South looking at the future. I, the, the only thing I would add to that is the Colts with Anthony Richardson no, coming back next year. No, AFC South as a whole, I think, is actually getting bad, way better. The future is bright. Be interesting, yeah. The future is bright. If you look at who's dominated that division the last five years, the Tennessee Titans, they're dog shit. Yep. No, it's up for grabs now. Yeah. Well, that's the whole. That's the week twelve slate we have for you guys. As always, we need you to like, we need you to comment, and most certainly, we need you to follow spotify youtube whatever your platform is we're on it it was a pleasure brother we'll see you guys next week don't forget to follow like and subscribe tune in next time for more banter with the boys